So what exactly are you doing sitting there on your cushion? On your chair? Do you know? And on one level, we really don't know. We really don't know. We follow the guidance. We're told we're an openness, that something in us may remember or resonate with the teaching that actually you're already perfect. But it's not always so easy to remember that, to realize that to recognize our unhindered, unlimited, unobscured nature. And so we practice. And the Buddha invites us to what he called the four noble truths, the contemplation of our life, our inner life, our outer life, that is ennobling for us. So what we're doing on the cushion actually is ennobling our lives. That doesn't mean we always feel noble. That doesn't mean that what passes through consciousness would necessarily look noble as Natiko beautifully pointed out last night. But there's something about contemplating things as they are where we can start to no longer be pushed and pulled by what arises, no longer be thrown about like a leaf in the wind by our mind states, our moods, the sounds that arise, the sensations in our body. So here I want to first point to this quite brilliant and simple teaching of the Buddha of the second foundation of mindfulness. And just before I offer that, it's very straightforward. One of the things he said was, um, fools, or the untrained mind, fools seek for experience. The wise seek to understand it. We're not trying to have a series of the best experiences here. You can try and do that on holiday. It doesn't necessarily ennoble our mind. So the second foundation of mindfulness is really a key in how to contemplate experience. To see it as it is. It's not an idea, it's he says, take a look, come really close to your experience. And you will see that your experience is one of three things in any moment. 
You will either experience it, the feeling tone of it, the quality of it, the way you experience it will be unpleasant, or it will be pleasant, or it will be neither pleasant nor unpleasant. So just take a breath with that. That's all you're getting this week (laughs) on one level. (laughs) That's what the menu is offering. Pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. Just take a breath with that. Were you hoping for something else in the realm of experience? And if the ennobling truths are our guide, then we want to contemplate experience as it is. We want to know when it's unpleasant that it's unpleasant that we're unflinching in that knowing where the unpleasant is illuminated by the light of awareness, the unpleasant knee, the unpleasant mood, the unpleasant sound. And we're breathing right with it, staying with bearing the breath in mind. Not to be a martyr, but because in this moment experience is arising in this way. And if my guide is the pleasure principle only, only seeking for pleasure, comfort, only seeking to avoid the unpleasant, if this is my guide, it's okay, but our life will not be ennobled. Our life will not be ennobled. The ennobling nature is not conditioned by the pleasant or the unpleasant. And this is very profound, actually. This ennobling guide is not against pleasure. The Buddha was not against pleasure. There is a lot of beauty and pleasure that can arise in our human experience. We can let it work on us when the mind state is peaceful, is joyful, is calm, is tranquil. But we know that it's pleasant. It is not the arrival. In itself, it is not the goal. So how would it be to stay so close to ourself? So close to this breath and not compare it to someone else's breath or an image of, well, they say I'm in openness and my breath feels like it's half a centimeter long. I'm obviously doing it wrong. But how would it be to stay so close to us that we are informed in direct experience that we know for ourselves if this experience is pleasant or unpleasant or neither? Not what I think about it. It's not always the same. I remember being very surprised on a retreat once where uh, the UPS man came in delivering a parcel and he was smoking a cigarette. 
And my mind says, cigarette, unpleasant, unpleasant. The actual experience was, hmm, pleasant. It's a surprise. It's not supposed to happen. It's horrible and it's bad for you. And Oh, okay. So we stay really close to find out what the truth is because when we don't know for ourselves, and for you, cigarette might be unpleasant, that's what I was expecting, or neither. And it might be different the next time. But to stay so close that we're not fooled, that we're not fooled, that the light of awareness illuminates the simple fact that whether we're a Buddha or not a Buddha, experience will arise that is pleasant, that is unpleasant, and there's neither. Staying so close, we aren't bound into reactivity. Where we judge the unpleasant, often unconsciously, as meaning something about me. If it's unpleasant, if I have grief arising or sorrow or anger, it means I'm wrong. I'm doing something wrong in my life. If I was doing it right, I would be this openness. Right? Openness does not mean things do not arise. Openness means things arise. When we are bearing the breath in mind, when we're stopping, and the awareness slowly more and more becomes our refuge, there is room for things to be arise, to arise, to be felt, to be handled, and to be able to be liberated. I just want to read you a sentence from one of my teachers. He said, The Buddha described this teaching as going against the stream. He says, The unflinching, this is from my teacher, the unflinching light of mindful awareness reveals the extent to which we are tossed along in the stream of past conditioning and habit. The moment we decide to stop, which is what you've all decided, the moment we decide to stop and look at what is going on, he says, like a swimmer suddenly changing course to swim upstream instead of downstream, we can find ourselves battered by powerful currents we had never even suspected, precisely because until that moment we were living largely at their command. The moment we decide to stop, we turn toward our experience, we may actually think, gosh, my mind's more crazy than it was on Saturday. But we're starting to see it. We're starting to see the currents and the trends that are normally moving us, that we're normally closing down around or acting out from. 
So this is a courageous path. And this teaching of Vedana, of the contemplation for ourselves, not what our mind thinks about it, but for ourselves, is a key, actually, to liberation. So, just before I guide you in, letting yourself take your seat. You know, and sometimes there's no bat- currents that you're being battered by. You don't have to look for currents to batter you today, right? Sometimes what arises in the stream is the calmness, is the tranquility, is the exquisite delicacy that the chitta can also show up as. Right? Often pleasant. To know that pleasure, to breathe with that pleasure, to let it work on you, let it take you deeper. So taking your seat. Body is reference that this remains the thread all the way through. This can deepen, actually, bearing the breath and the body in mind becomes not only a ground for us, an anchor for us, a center for us, it becomes the abiding, the platform, the... um, how to say, the presence, actually, from which we can start to see more clearly into the nature of experience. When we have no reference, our reference becomes what is known, what is familiar, what has already been described. So keep faith with this mindfulness of body breathing, it's always useful, always beneficial. Finding the place for you right now where you can have a wide, soft awareness. You can settle back not making a big project now of the meditation, not like, right now I have to contemplate Vedna, right? Let's find out. Still letting experience come to you. Breath comes to you right now. Yeah. Let your breath come to you. Shallow or deep, rough or smooth, lumpy 
or like silk. That's not the point. But to know it as it is. Beginnings and middles and ends. Letting the illuminating light of your awareness see what's going on. Is it pleasant? Is it unpleasant? Or is it neither right now? Very often the breathing can be quite neutral, it doesn't grab our attention and we disconnect and space out. Can we deepen in our contact with what is neutral, what is less glamorous or less terrible? And keeping it very simple. as we begin the meditation today body as reference breath as friend opening to include the whole realm of experience that we call listening Let the sounds of those birds come to you right now. Let your body be like a satellite dish, a big ear, not having to go anywhere, but receiving sound. And the knowing of the sound as pleasant or unpleasant or neither. Awareness open 360 degrees. Sound comes. passes. Nothing you have to do about it. Find out for yourself, is it pleasant? Sounds of our neighbors in the meditation hall, moving on their cushion, coughing, breathing, 
opening the door, coming in late, crying, laughing. And we're hearing, hearing just this. Daring to be this simple, just for this moment. And we may see the ripples as the mind reacts. It's okay. We can hear that too. Why did they come in earlier? Or a moaning mind coming through consciousness. Can we hear that too? Feeling the quality of it. Pleasant, unpleasant. Settling back. In the wide, open, unhindered nature. And sometimes our experience is largely neutral at first glance. But don't miss it. 
It has secrets to reveal. Come closer to the body breathing. Don't miss yourself. Not deciding in our mind if something is pleasant or unpleasant. Letting experience become our teacher. Ask it, find out, come close. Daring to let this sensitive organism that we are feel things moment by moment.
it may <clears throat> it may be helpful at times to refine coming closer to the beginning of the breath and particularly that ending point where it fades away and dissolves. To get curious. See clearly. What is actually here?
and as you hear the sound of the bell, letting it be a contemplation of letting the sound come to you without you having to go anywhere. Let it impact you. See the way the mind wants to add meaning, like, oh goody, now we can end, or it means something. Hearing that too, and letting the bell fade, and any meaning that you make out of it also pass away. So if you're feeling like you've landed on this retreat a little bit more, then today's a good day to really make the walking meditation your own, completely your own. Use the form, use the structure, the back and forth, the slowing down, the contact again and again. But find out what engages your interest your curiosity, your playfulness. Our journey goes a lot easier (coughs) when we bring ourselves to it. So for example, it may be that this contemplation of Vedana is really interesting you, right? Be right there as the foot touches the earth. Is it pleasant, unpleasant or neutral? This one just because I've got bare feet and the sun's shining and I put my foot down, my mind tells me this should feel nice. Find out. Stay really, really close. As we get more here, as we get more present, as the awareness gathers back, we see that we are creatures that are made to discover and investigate and find out. We're curious beings. Somebody yesterday said she made the walking her own and decided not to stand on the daisies, right? But that care that ostensibly she was bringing to the daisies soon translated and showed her a delicacy of attention that she felt like a child again with this curiosity and play and exquisite delicacy and yet with the maturity and the awareness of seeing what was here. Sometimes we might want to walk more robust 
and really experiment with that. Sometimes walking backwards, one Zen teacher at the old guy house, he had everybody walk through the village. It was a village over there, Denbury. This is like 20 years ago, when it was very fringy anyway. Uh, had them walk through the village backwards with their eyes shut. <laughs> you know, it really cultivates the attention, not of the neighbours also, but it cultivates your own attention. Sometimes I shut my eyes. Sometimes I walk backwards, not to try and make it exciting, but because there can be a spirit of play. What happens to the awareness and the attention? What happens to my experience, my perception? If that all feels like not where you're at, it's fine. Curiosity, play and investigation are factors that come and go, actually. Let yourself keep it really simple. Hone it right down to this, ex- this kind of precise and noble art of walking in an ennobled way, even if we don't feel noble. Sometimes I used to console myself with the image of my teacher who'd, who'd done a long solitary retreat as a monk in Thailand in a cave. And he said he used to walk outside his cave every day and, you know, he wasn't feeling playful and curious every day. Sometimes I would bring the image of him as if he was kind of beside me, kind of holding my hand and just walking. So he can do it. Mine says, yeah, but he's better than me and blah, blah, blah. He can do it. I can walk with him. And just walking back and forth, even when the heart wants to cry, the body is still hoping somebody would have put coffee in the dining room. Right? Whatever the mind is hungering for or aching for, we can stay noble with our intention. It's a beautiful intention. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.